Hello, philosophers. I'm Sam Mascaro. And I'm Alex Martinez. And welcome to the second episode of Film Philosophy. And with us today, we have my good friend Gary Peeler. Uh, hey, everybody. How's it going? Gary Peeler here. How are you doing, Gary? I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Oh, we're just dandy. I'm doing great. Good to hear. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to our philosophers, since this is our first guest? Uh, yeah, I'm Gary Peeler. Just like Alex and Sam, I'm interested in film. Uh, I've worked with Alex before on many. Uh, we collaborated. And probably our biggest collaboration to date, uh, a short film we did, our very first one, uh, called Flood, in which I co-wrote, co-created, and I played the main character. And uh, it's very exciting, and I hope to, I look forward to uh, working with Alex in the future. Sweet. <laughs> I remember when we worked on that too. It was uh, really fun to get to work with you, and with David and a bunch of other of our friends. It was a uh, really great. Yeah, it's definitely a once in a lifetime kind of thing. You know, you get this kind of idea uh, that's also met with good reactions because everyone we showed it to. Everyone from our classmates to our uh, to our families, uh, they all liked it, which is a good thing. Always, yeah. You definitely want to be able to have the support of your peers behind any project you do. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, today, I had this idea of what we should talk about. I wanted to mention one thing, though. Um, spoilers aside, I don't want to spoil this movie for anyone, but I saw a movie this afternoon with my grandfather for my birthday and it was probably the best film I've seen uh, I don't know if you've heard of it Sam it's called Lone Survivor absolutely I have it downloaded on my uh, my laptop yeah uh, the director Peter Berg amazing job uh, I left the movie actually crying it was really sad and really it's a very it was, powerful film. It was. And I guess it was the writing, mostly, of it. But, I mean, the critics love it. 74% are Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience with the 90%. Um, they're raking in some money, though, with the box office being $22.1 million so far. So, Well, the main thing about Lone Survivor, and those who have seen it will, will definitely uh, hear what I'm saying, kind of visualize it is that a huge portion of it is is unsaid work. It's all just action uh, parts, especially the part when they are um, constantly having to fall off this huge uh, mountain as the, uh, the Taliban forces are coming towards them. They have to keep on jumping, and every time they do that, they start getting so scraped up and so beat up. Uh, by the end of it, Mark Wahlberg has a bone sticking out of his leg, and so it's just insane. But, um, but yeah, definitely, it's just it's, it's extremely... Uh, uh, extremely great movie. It it tries to put together a very peculiar, peculiar, peculiar goodness gracious <laughs> situation, um, and try to be able to you know make a movie out of it. And I honestly think they did a pretty great job, uh, especially, uh, especially with, with that, that. I actually, I actually heard, heard that most of the stunts, stunts were legit. legit. They were. Uh, they actually got the actors to do it, and it was so. I, I, guess I guess they, they injured, injured themselves, themselves a lot, and, and a, couple a couple people, people actually, actually got, got concussions, concussions from it. So, I could definitely by the by the way by the way they were doing that, I don't I'm not surprised. Um, you know, we all hope that they're okay, but in the end of the day, that's the price for a good film, I guess you could say. Yeah, totally. It's definitely uh, 
it's definitely one thing to be an actor in that kind of movie, but uh, I don't know if many people know this, but it's uh, based off true events, and it's also based off a book oh, yeah, yeah. that uh, the lone survivor, a.k.a. Marcus, I don't, I, his last name escapes me. Marcus Luttrell. Yeah, Marcus Luttrell, uh, that he experienced himself. So with the... Uh, severity of the stunts and people getting concussions apparently uh it's definitely a, a powerful thing to see yeah that they portray uh the movie and the actual events so well definitely um i don't know if you guys have seen this i definitely saw i saw it right after we watched the movie uh cnn uh anchor named uh, jake tapper did a interview with both uh, Marcus and Mark Wahlberg together, and um, and things got very awkward after Jake Tapper <laughs> made the comment of um, he said something along the lines of like uh, uh, it's so sad that all this senseless dying had to occur or something like that, yeah. and and as soon as he said that the uh, Marcus just kind of was like so their dying was senseless. I mean I'll. Philosophers, you'll definitely have to to YouTube it right after you get done watching this. But I mean, it's definitely a very, um, very odd uh, CNN part. It's just you have to watch it to kind of understand what I mean. Especially for somebody that experienced it firsthand, and then having somebody there who pretended to experience it firsthand. Right. It, it does. The, the, of course, you know, Marcus will have the stronger opinion about it. I mean, no doubt. That's just the way it's going to be. But for him to say that, I'll, I'll definitely have to put down the link, um, the the description for the video for the podcast. Absolutely, and you know the best. I honestly think the best part about this movie is that it it captures what happened so well, um, and and kind of put it put it as closely as possible as to what it really was. You know, movies like uh, Captain Phillips. You know, they do in a sense, try to embody what happened. Um, but, you know, you heard people afterwards who were, like, crew members on the ship who were saying they portrayed um, Tom Hanks' figure as almost like a hero kind of deal when really it was the captain's fault for, for putting them in that situation and all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, you know, it's definitely, like we talked about last time, film portrayals can be very, very sketchy. But, you know, the guys from Lone Survivor definitely did a good job on this one. And uh, I forgot to mention... The jobs they change that a lot as well. What, um, Gary? What's the one guy I was telling you about before? Uh, Wozniak. Yeah, Steve Wozniak. Oh, Steve God. Wozniak. He, he said that was a piece of fiction. Yeah, he he watched the film. He's like, that's not at all how our relationship was. You guys are portraying it as if I'm some evil man. I I didn't. That's not how it was. It was completely different. And whenever you whenever you hear that, you're like, oh well, if the guy who was there is saying that, then obviously it's true. And it's kind of sad that they had to manipulate the fiction to get it to something, I don't know, more dramatic, I guess, if yeah, that makes I any mean, sense. Yeah. yeah, they had to they, – they did what they thought was possible, and it's, it's extremely hard to, to take on a, a person as it is. But, I mean, you're taking on the King of Kings, Steve Jobs, and you're trying to portray him by Ashton Kutcher. You definitely got to start adding stuff in to be able to help make Ashton look better. But, you know, it's it, – it, they <sighs> – Jobs, I, I mean, I, I was, I wasn't completely satisfied with it. I kind of liked the movie just because I like Apple products, and so I kind of, I, I had a fanboy type, a fanboy kind of deal, yeah. But I mean, because I haven't really made a movie like that about it before. But you know, it's, I, I wish it would have been better. 
Um, obviously, they can't really redo it because then it would just kind of look weird. Um, but you know, I'm I'm somewhat satisfied with it. If we wanted yeah. to a uh, an actual account of it, we would have to watch a, a documentary. Yeah. So I, I'm waiting I'm for waiting them to release, release Gates, Gates the movie. Just who's gonna? Do you know who's gonna play that? No, no I'm, I'm joking. joking. I don't even think that's a real thing. <laughs> I thought you were serious for a second. I, I was like, I, I, Gates? Me and Garrett just got, uh, just got blindsided. I can imagine just one of the scenes, Bill Gates is staying there in some Master Chief armor or something, being like, I have an idea. It'd be even more ironic if uh, if Gates actually got more money at the box office than Jobs did. <laughs> I doubt it will. I, I think it would be kind of funny. Just I, I I'd like to see how they would be able to do it because in the movie Jobs, I was really mad that they didn't go in depth into uh, into the relationship with him and Bill Gates. Yeah, they literally did one scene about that, and then they were done with it the entire rest of the film. And, and in his was, life, have you ever read his biography? Uh, or the, or the book I have was... it in my house. I'm fixing to read it actually in a couple of days. Huge. The relationship was huge. It really shaped how uh, Steve made his stuff, and actually. Steve took a few ideas, and uh, Gates recognized this later on, that he came up with the ideas, and Steve basically implemented them into his own technology. But their relationship was a huge deal, and it's kind of sad that they didn't touch on it that much in the movie. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, so today we were going to talk about the, uh, the relationship between the screenwriter, the director, and the actor. Um, I guess we can all kind of take our own views about things, seeing as how we all kind of fall into a certain category. Uh, me and Gary both write, but um, usually we write together. But Gary also acts, and I don't act, so he'll probably take the perspective of the actor. So, uh, Sam, I guess you will be the director. I, I'm not sure what <laughs> knowledge you have. I, uh, well, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of different... Uh, I'm sorry about that. Guys. There's a lot of different, uh, you know, things that films have that I recognize. I would rather, in all honesty, a film be better uh, written than better acted out by a guy like Shia LaBeouf or somebody like that. Um, yeah. But that's just my opinion. Uh, some people like to see the stars, like to see like guys like Johnny Depp and all that kind of stuff. But you know, the the big, the great movies are the ones that you can be able to have a good script, a good director, and a decent actor. I mean, movies like Life of Pi, which the guy who played in the movie literally was a nobody. He was a a regular kid from from India, and they picked him up and they put him in the thing. And so it's like. I have a deeper respect for the screenwriters and for the directors than the actors. Not that I don't love the actors for all you actor philosophers out there, but you know, it it takes a whole nother level to be able to think up the things that are being said. Yeah, it definitely uh another example, speaking of life of pie, uh Avatar by James Cameron. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Sam Worthington was living out of his car before he was uh, cast in Avatar, and that blew up obviously. And now he's where he is today, uh, Clash of Titans. He was he played the main character in the video game Call of Duty Black Ops in Black Ops Two. So uh, I think I agree with you where the actor doesn't have to be like a well known like, like the acting you know. 
it has to be decent, but uh, writing definitely takes a important step because without the script, there's literally nothing to do really. Because uh, uh, without the script to follow, without an idea, you're kind of just pointing a camera at a person and telling him to talk. Absolutely. I mean, but you know, actors. Yeah, I could train a monkey to be able to read my script. <laughs> right. Considering the intelligence level of the monkey is apparently right now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it takes a whole nother, like I said before, it takes a whole nother level to be able to, to have a script and not only uh, be able to write it all, which if you write a full-length two-hour movie, you are doing some serious just – you know, hand to keyboard kind of action. It's it's going down for like months on end. Um, you know, I I can barely be able to handle a six paragraph essay at night. And so, thinking about what they got to do, I have immense respect. But just from that, um, being able to add in a flair, being able to add in a certain kind of style, um, something that can be able to distinguish you from the other uh, from the other screenwriters out there, uh, really defines the films that you're writing for. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and my opinion about the whole screenwriting thing, I, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but I know some directors who don't want their screenwriters on, on set with them who tell them that after you write the script, basically don't ever come back here because you have no purpose anymore. You've written my script, now you can leave type oh of deal. Oh my goodness. That... My, yeah, my opinion about that is you need the screenwriter there. He, he created these characters. He created the character, the world all through his mind. And if you don't have him there, how can you accurately depict the world? Yeah, that's definitely uh, one of the most valuable people on a film set because if he sees something that isn't being portrayed, because like Alex said, he created this world, these characters, he knows how uh, he knows how they should feel during this. If one, uh, if an actor is portraying, some, portraying a, uh, say it's like a, a sad scene and uh, if, you see the if you see like the main character start going like fall to his knees and start falling out and crying the writer can say well the character he's kind of like a strong silent type so he kind of suffers on the inside so i don't know why he would ever do that yeah and and actors another thing that i've noticed is that some actors will actually take over from that and be like well this i'm portraying the character now it's my character and i i want to be able to have a relationship with my actors and with the director and with the screenwriter because me and Gary are a lot of those things. We do combine our forces together to do that. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that whenever the actor says, I, this is how I think that my character needs to act, I, I need to realize that I need to turn that kind of over to him in a little bit because he is now becoming the character and you kind of need a personal touch on it or else it seems really, really scripted. And you don't want that to be a factor, and that's kind of my opinion about that, is that you kind of need them, you kind of need to have a good, steady relationship with your actors, with the director, and with the screenwriter. Oh yeah, there can never, you know, it, anything that you can be able to put into a film is just like any other job you have. You know, if you don't have a well, uh, like a, a good atmosphere when it comes to uh, your directors, your actors, your screenwriters, your producers, you know, uh, your gaffers, even the small guy in the background and getting you coffee. If you don't have a good relationship with them, you know, it, it definitely can affect 
how your film is, you know, produced in the end. And so it's it's a very, very, um, very crucial detail. I was going to say before um, – I'm sorry, guys, if you can hear that. That's I, fine. Uh, I was going to say before how, you know, you were talking about, you know, certain people will come on and, and say that kind of thing. Uh, have you either of you ever heard of Richard Schiff? Uh, I have not. No, no, I haven't. Okay, yeah, he – this is this is going to prove my point as to what I'm saying. Um, as you guys know, I am a huge political fan. I said it in the first episode. Um, and there's a show called West Wing. And the West Wing was pretty much created by a screenwriter named Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin, like I said before, uh, did uh, this so, uh, what's called the movie on Facebook. The so, uh, Social what, Network. Social Network, right. Boom, we know so, something. Uh, the Social Network. Um, he did American President. He did the TV shows West Wing and the Newsroom, uh, which uh, the West Wing got nominated for seven Emmys and won them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have an extremely good, uh, you know, record. And Richard Schiff, who's a regular actor on that show, directed a couple of the episodes, and he really didn't make an effect. And the reason why is is you could throw the coffee board, like I said before, on script, but Aaron Sorkin, who was a screenwriter, was so in depth and so uh, such a strong force in that uh, in that thing that when he left the fourth season, you could tell a difference. You could yeah, tell yeah. that there was a huge uh, difference in the in the uh, the satire in it, the way that the actors kind of were portraying their characters it was a very awkward situation and so um you know it all depends in certain situations it could be the director who's the one who takes it away um another situation it could be an actor who ends up being the director like george clooney did with the eyes of march um and leonardo dicaprio with the wolf of wall street it's it's a very uh particular thing it all depends on the movie itself it can't be it there's no um set like uh like one's better than the other kind of deal yeah, yeah. And, and when me and gary were working on flood yeah i was actually uh i was actually about to mention that yeah go ahead good all right thanks uh i think it's i, I guess i'd say different or weirder because alex uh we filled in we wrote the script we uh directed it and then i played the main character so if if I saw something during, uh, like, if we were on location filming, uh, if I saw something in the script and I looked at, I recognized the scene in the kind of uh, state the characters in, I'd say, well, maybe we should change up this line because it seems uh, out of character. And uh, being the person who, one of the people who wrote the script and uh, who's also portraying that character, it's definitely, uh, I guess I'd say it's easier in a way to uh, fully grasp uh, the, that certain character's uh, like state and how he would react and what he would do in certain situations. Right, right. Well, definitely. Um, it, yeah. It, if if all projects were made by the screenwriters and the screenwriters were able to. Uh, direct and be able to act it out themselves. A lot of the pictures we see nowadays would probably not be how they are, um, and so. But yeah, I, I completely hear what you're saying, um, and you see that happening a lot. You know, little independent movies like uh, the Sundance Festival movies that you see all the time. A lot of them are extremely good and they're extremely well written. 
And that has to do with the fact that they have an extremely small cast. It's not like it's a huge corporate thing where they're going through, you know, 17 people to be able to get a certain part of a script approved. They're literally doing one person to another. It's not anything different than that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely, definitely uh, that's, that's, that's very true. true. Uh, with these smaller casts, I mean, the only writers for Flood were uh, me and Alex. So right. we knew we could, we knew our each other's writing style, and uh, we were able to work off each other, so we could uh, write it and get it done. Oh yeah, it it makes it a lot easier when you're doing that as well. And me, since I edited the film. It, writing and editing, some people try to separate them as much as you can, but I know some directors also who put their writers in the edit editor's room. Always a good idea. You have this idea of how you want it to happen. The editors might have an idea of how you kind of wanted it to happen. But mm. if you can help them push it into the direction of how it should have been, it looks really good. And oh, yeah. me being able to write Flood and being able to say, well, I kind of want this shot to look like this. Oh, crap, we didn't film that. I can always change and edit the video clips to make it seem like that. Oh yeah, um, I definitely think that if 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 Disney doesn't um, grab George Lucas and put him as one of the main people when it comes to Star Wars, they're gonna be completely just out of luck when it comes to everything. They just finished writing that script too, like the other day. They have to I, when they if they're done writing the script, they need to go through it. Like for example. Um, when they were doing the Harry Potter films, I remember J.K. Rowling was talking, and I also want to bring up J.K. Rowling again about her recent um, her recent putting in as the screenwriter for uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. But she was talking in an interview, and she said, "Well, we were reading through the script, and you know, some of the screenwriters they worked close with me, but we were doing a, a read through, and there was a part where Dumbledore was sitting. It was in uh, Half Blood Prince. And Dumbledore was sitting, and Harry walks up." right in the train station and right in the beginning of the film. And he goes, I once knew a woman uh, who had like a violet thing or something like that. And JK Rowling had to th uh, like pass a little note down that said Dumbledore was gay. And then he kind of changed the script real quick, but it, you know, you definitely have to have a, a close relationship to be able to um, get that kind of effect out, be able to really get the true message behind what the, uh, the writer is saying. Yeah, and what they attended because you might not find interest in those little details like Dumbledore being gay or, or something like that, but it really does affect how the character acts. Oh, yeah. You could change a trait in a character, and it really does change the character. With, mm -hmm. with Gary, we originally planned the main character, Jethro, to be depressed and an alcoholic, but Gary really brought that um, uh, kind of out there, leave me alone, very... I don't I don't know the way to say it, but just this vibe that really made the character feel less of a, a written character and more like an actual person. A broken hero. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Best way to describe it. Uh, thanks, Alex. I appreciate the... Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your kind words. It wasn't an insult. I'm just saying you really... No, I'm not, I'm not joking. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I, I mean, but really, like, it really changed how I felt about the character. And... um. I'm really hoping once I do make it uh, public, because I just want to make sure everything's all right, and I'm just waiting on a few extra things uh, for that video. I want to make sure that when people watch it, they they understand it's our, our first short film. Mm -hmm. But I want to. A lot of people are afraid to give. Well, not on YouTube. Everyone gives whatever words they want to on comments. Trust me. Um, but 
with it, I want to make sure that people aren't afraid to give constructive criticism. I I like that, and it really does help me sh- shape and think about my next project. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the number one thing. I when I go through my videos, you know, as soon as I get done editing, I'll keep it in Final Cut before I export it. But what I'll do is I'll run around like fifteen people and ask what their opinion is on it. And you know, obviously. After working for a long time, Alex and Gary, you both probably know this, that as soon as you ask somebody, you want them, you really want them to say that it's good. Like in your head, you're like, can you please say it's good? Please say it's good. And then when they kind of say there's something wrong, you're kind of like, oh, but then you kind of realize it and you really look back at it and then you realize, okay, yeah, I can see where that could, uh, that could change a little bit. And then you go back and re-edit it, show it to them again, and they say that's perfect. And then you'd be able to do it. And so you have to go through a bunch of people's uh, opinions to be able to have a, you know, really understand it, because if you if it's just you and and Gary, uh, you're only getting you and Gary's opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you came and asked Mr. Crawford or something, then he would maybe give a little different of a of a viewpoint. Mr. Crawford would have an interesting opinion, being a fan of Doctor Who and several other TV shows. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, go ahead, Gary. I'm sorry. No, no thanks. thanks. Uh, it's definitely something I struggled with, taking any, even if it was constructive criticism, I, like, when I was younger, especially if it was about my writing, I'd take it to heart. I'd feel like if they're like, oh, if you could just change this one thing, I feel, I'd, I'd translate as that, so you hate it. So, uh, it's definitely something I'm, I'm still learning to this day, but constructive criticism is definitely the best kind you can get. And being negative, just to be negative, and just trying to say, oh, this sucks, and not explaining why you feel a certain way, it's definitely not going to help uh, the creator at all. We have to also remember, though, that there are those people out there that just don't really have good opinions. And, it does, yeah, their opinion doesn't hold water. So, for example... If you asked Mr. Guest his opinion on one of your videos, <laughs> it would weigh more. No, I'm saying. No, no, would, no. Keep talking. I, I like your comments. It would about weigh this. more water than if you asked Mr. Evans if it was a good video. Yeah, yeah. definitely. You see what I'm saying? It would kind of. It, it's a totally different thing. Mr. Evans is a science guy. If you asked him, are the facts right in a video about, I don't know, the periodic table, it would be a little bit different. But I mean, if you're asking about, you know, the structure of the video does the metaphor come out does the analogies come out are there the, are the motifs clear um then you would probably have to go to mr guest yeah and, and with flood whenever we did that and we we, we made it in a, okay so flood the one that we're going to release is actually a redoing of the one just, that we did previous just a remake it's a uh, a lot longer we did more with the script to death to uh better uh get the story out and i feel and i hope alex feels the same way that it's a lot uh better and we that we expanded on the original idea when well, the last one had a lot of time constraints too i mean we were pressed down to a month before we had to release it like a month we had to film edit script everything and export it and send it in and, and also there was a uh, the the maximum flood was made for uh a county media festival and the maximum amount of time you have for a video was seven minutes. And by the time we were all done... It was ten. Clear yeah. philosophers. Philosoph- I, I'm just going to make a notice right there, Gary. I'm going to let you finish, I promise. But I just want to make this clear. Philosophers, whether it be a time constraint or a teacher who's telling you you got to do it different, if you have your own opinion 
and you as a creator know what you want in a film, make a separate video for yourself and then do what they say. Because yeah, def- that's, uh, that's very important to remember. And I completely agree with you because your imagination is, is the key part of this. If they start to break it down into what's, you know, what they find to be correct, then, and you're constrained into certain little situations and you're going to be making videos like for gum sooner or later. And so it won't be too great. Yeah. And we had our, uh, whenever we originally wrote it, it was a pretty straightforward idea and it was kind of confusing and it could have used a lot more work on it. And we rewatched it. We were able to critique ourselves, write down some things. We got some other people to watch it. And again, they kind of helped us and told us what they didn't really like about it. And that kind of helped us a little bit rewrite it. And when we rewrote it, we made sure to include little details, to include the universe. We have to show the, the time period. I made a little news article thing that he's holding for only a few seconds. But even though the audience might not look at it uh, in the original whenever they first watch it, whenever if they ever rewatch it, they might look at details more and realize, oh, look, they actually have this in here that tells the time period. Or, oh, look at this. This is really cool. It's really detailed. They actually took time to, to make sure the background was a little bit better. Um, and, and that really does help as well. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I, another thing about Flood is just the amount of work that me and, and Gary had to do on it, and especially with uh, our actors. Uh, it, it was interesting because when we first did it, um, we had an actor drop out on us. They weren't able to uh, to, to film with us. Yeah, and, and definitely uh, that's very important. Uh, she, we had to, uh, with time constraints, we had basically a month to make a video and have it ready. But uh, she basically told us she couldn't do it so on the fly the day that we were filming yeah on set uh we basically made major 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 changes to the script and it was just that day that we changed it the one scene because in the one scene uh my character he sits down at at a cafe and he was supposed to be approached by his uh the uh i can't think of the word the uh, uh, love, love interest. interest. Thank, Thank you. Love, love interest. interest. And uh, with the actor dropping out, we like she couldn't do it at all because she was moving away. So we basically we killed her, and that uh, that had major major repercussions on how different the story would be compared to her being alive. And I think that uh, it was a better change because we worked it all out and we said, okay, now. Since she's dead, he actually has uh, even more to be uh, depressed about and such. I was about to say because I remember, I I could I can understand that now, and I, and I really admire that because philosopher, this is the first time I've ever heard of that. Um, it's it's extremely you you can see that definitely in Gary's character when you watch Flood because you see how he's a depressed, uh, just kind of extremely not you know. He's he, like I said, he's a broken hero. He's he's had a good time in the past. He's really good at what he does, but he's still a broken guy, and so he has to almost redeem himself in some ways throughout the story. Yeah, and the first time we did it, the ending didn't really make much sense, and we changed that. We made more references to this mysterious lady that is mentioned several times in the new one. Uh, he talks about her a little bit. You get a little bit about what the relationship was about. 
and that really did help with the character. And especially in the original one, when we did end up killing her, we were able to bring another character that we wrote uh, in the film, uh, Matt, Matthew Lancey, one of our friends did that, and he showed up on the spot and helped us complete this film that, that needed this one scene that was for the better changed, and th that's the best part about it. Yeah, we were about to leave in the, we were about to leave for downtown where the cafe is. We had permission to film there, and uh, we basically- Let's rephrase that, we kind of had permission to film there. Long story, another podcast. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we texted him, and this was just out of the blue. We just asked him, we need you to be this character, and we need you to dress, because I, in my character, he dresses, you know. He had a fedora, a trench coat, a suit and tie, and we basically told him, we need you to wear that and be this character and show up at this time. And and I, he, he did. It's our friend David, and he shows up in probably, he, he looked the part, he acted the part, and that gave us, me and Alex had major respect for him now. Not going to say he overdid it, but he might have overdone it a little bit, but it was for the best. And the costume was great, and it was just glad. I was happy that I have relationships with these friends, that I'm able to ask somebody to do something like that. And without questioning it, they would show up. And that's just the best part about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if, if in any situation, um, you know, you definitely want to be able to have people like that on the fly um, because doing this independent work like this you don't have a huge amount of resources and so you have to kind of use you know what's lying around whether it be a fedora or a friend yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> i like that friend, fedora or friends new t-shirt on and i'm just kidding it's not gonna happen <laughs> i probably won't have a shop <laughs> but um yeah, yeah that that's, that's true, true. you it, you have to build relationships. That's a big part, I think, about the industry and just film alone. To have these relationships with these people is it's able to further prepare you for writing, for directing, for acting, and you're really able to rely on these people. So, I mean, when you uh, when you go to school and and you go in front of people, whether you like them or you don't like them. You know, people say all the time, I just be myself. In a lot of senses, you do, but even more, you don't. And so when you go to school, you kind of do put on a little bit of a face just to kind of uh, help you be successful in school in uh, both the social and educational matters. For example, I have some teachers, maybe not this year, maybe so. I'm not going to speculate because I don't know who's listening to this. Um, <laughs> but I have literally made... Uh, satirical jokes with them. I've been extremely sarcastic, but in a funny way with them. I've been as lovable as humanly possible, and I may just not like them, uh, the teacher as a as a whole. But I do that because you know, in this world, you never get anywhere with being negative. I promise you guys, philosophers out there, this is a quick philosophical moment outside of film. Never be negative because it will never help. That's Sam Mascaro, master thinker. Master thinker. <laughs> thinker of all. Master philosopher, actually. Yeah, that's his title now. He's the master philosopher of film philosophy. You know what Mr. Dunn said? And you'll, if you guys take APUS, you probably won't have him. But Mr. Dunn said that the act of philosophy is not a matter of answering questions, it's a matter of asking really good ones. <laughs> that's a really good. That's. 
Yeah, that's that's actually really true. Um, the more you ask questions, the the least answers you can get, but the more you can think about something. Right. And, uh, I'd actually like to throw a conversation we were just having a second ago back. Oh, we have we have enough time, so uh, Gary, let's explain to him what happened at the cafe. The cafe. Uh, we were filming there. We got permission to film from our teacher. He uh, called ahead and they, and asked if we could film there. And uh, they said, sure. So we decided to, we tried filming inside, but that didn't work out because all the uh, m uh, machines to make coffee and all that kind of stuff, that was going on. And we didn't really, we, we, weren't, we weren't trying to bother people at all. So we decided, okay, we're going to film outside, even though that uh, later on that killed our audio. But uh, we were filming outside. And then we were going inside just to make sure we have everything. We were already done filming the scene. And... Uh, the one, uh, one of the guys who works baristas. there, yeah, yeah, one of the baristas. Uh, he basically told us that we uh, we weren't allowed to film there, and we had to have a permit to I, film there. And I further looked into this, and Florida, the the state of Florida, does not require you to have a filming permit to film in certain areas, as long as you have permission. Uh, so. It became a running joke with us that we just kind of, for the next month or so, we just kind of said that we needed a permit for everything, um, which that experience was really interesting because it kind of furthered, we were like, oh, this is how people are. Okay, we just got kicked out of Starbucks. No, it kind of shows that uh, it brings us into more of the real world because you can definitely plan out something. Okay, we're going to film this scene there, but... You can experience problems on set and on location that you don't see, and you have to uh, adapt to that certain situation. And we were polite as possible. We agreed because we already we already finished uh, filming everything, so we just left. And uh, I'm gonna call you guys the Darwin Film Officers whenever necessary. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate um, it. Uh, and, okay, and with what Gary was saying, yeah, I think next film that we do, Gary, we really need like a plan B, just in case anything like that ever happens again. We are able to be like, okay, bye, and we'll, or we can just go somewhere else. Plan B is we don't uh we don't film downtown. Yeah, plan B. That's a good idea. Stay away from cafes. How about just you're filming? An alphabet of plans, A through Z. We just make a plan for each letter, and we just do it if something yeah. happens. You ever notice, though, that honestly, some of the best parts in any film, when you find out later that they're, they were not written in, they weren't planned, that they were just spontaneous things that ended up happening. Just ad-libbing? Yeah. It's, it's definitely, definitely uh, one, example, one example. One of my favorite examples is Indiana Jones in the Raider of the, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That one scene when he's uh, fighting people in Cario downtown. There's this one guy who shows up and he starts doing these fancy moves with a sword. And then uh, Harrison Ford, the actor for Neon Jones, he was really sick. And it was a long day of filming and he was supposed to have this elaborate fight scene. But uh, him being sick and tired and such, all he does is shrug, pull out his gun, and shoot him. <laughs> there was actually a scene in this movie called Malkovich. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, uh, Sam, but it's this really weird movie. And... I have two examples here. In Malkovich, there's this one scene where this car drives by the main character, Malkovich. And the, uh, what was it? The, um, I'm trying to think of the name for it. It was just somebody there. Well, they weren't supposed to, they don't have a line. They didn't have a line. 
and they drove by and they had a can in their hand and threw it right at the guy's head. Screamed, see you later, Malkovich. This scene was later used in the film and this was not planned at all and uh, the main character Malkovich actually does drop on the ground and start to curse like crazy and that's because it actually hit him right in the temple and it, it wasn't planned at all. He had no idea so he's just laying there cursing. Um, that and if you've ever seen uh, The Dark Knight, I believe, with the Joker, uh, he's dressed up as the nurse and he blows up the, the, uh, the, the hospital and uh, the, the explosion was wasn't it was weird because Heath Ledger stands there hitting the the detonator, and um, the other explosion didn't go off on time, so he just sat there hitting it as impro improvisation. And later yeah, on, he, he, was, uh, he was he was still, still in character, and that's very important as an actor to if something goes wrong or something uh, doesn't go as planned, uh, you just kind of stay in character and act as that character would in a certain situation. Oh yeah. Staying in character for as long as you can just in case anything happens is probably the best idea. Um, I know Andrew Lincoln on The Walking Dead, he does that. He walks around set an entire day speaking in his American Southern accent. And uh, just so that he, in case anything happens, he, he can always go to that accent. And uh, he never takes a break in between takes, which is really interesting because if you actually hear him, he's a strong Brit. Extremely strong accent. So, mm -hmm. I have. Go on, what were you saying? Who was that, Gary? What? It must have been Gary. Who, who did the, who was fixing us talk? Go ahead. Uh, like, I was going to say on Walking Dead, uh, the governor, he's British. Uh, Maggie, the actor who plays, the yeah, actress, British. she's British. Uh, and, uh, just another thing about acting, you know, strong actors who are able to become, become characters, come forward and versed, and, uh, just to be these characters are definitely a definitely a powerful tool and asset in any film, television show, or any kind of production. Robert De Niro, um, who, as we know, is, is an acting legend. Um, Robert De Niro and Johnny Depp have extreme. Uh, I don't want to say problems because it really helps their acting, but it. It certainly creates a health risk for them that they will do things that are extremely extravagant just to be able to become the role of uh, who they're playing. Even Ashton Kutcher, who when he played uh, Jobs, he had to lose a whole bunch of weight, and he ended up actually going on a fruititarian diet. He didn't. He, he actually went and and did that to help embody um, Steve Jobs. Yeah, there's this actor in Lord of the Rings who walked on set every day to look really wore down. Gary, do you remember that story? Um, uh, it was on another podcast we listened to, and yeah, they, basically the actor did walk to the set every day just to, to look the part, which is amazing because it really does take a lot to do that. It's uh, definitely, like me, Flood's probably uh, my first and only uh, major acting role. And I was act in the first uh, time we did Flood with the OG, as I call it. Uh, Which sucks compared to the new one. Yeah, that, you know, uh, we, seeing how we filmed, written, and did it all in one month, and that, that was produced, that was pretty amazing. But as I was saying, uh, it's definitely a, uh, 
what now I forgot what I, forgot what I was saying. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, Sam, I think we need to start to wrap it up just a little bit, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's look. Um, I didn't get to ask uh, Alex. Did we get any questions for um, – Not for this week. Uh, I actually – I have the website up, and it's going to be in the description of the podcast. So you can submit your questions to that website um, all right. whenever it's up. Uh, so thank you, Gary, for talking with us. Uh, hope we can have you on again. And thank you, philosophers, for tuning in to this week's episode of Film Philosophy. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at fil- philosophy underscore film. I swear I'm going to get that right one day without messing up at all. And uh, you can submit questions on our website in the description below. Uh, tune in next week for another episode. Uh, Sam, nice talking again. Nice talking. And I just wanted to uh, to add a little thing in here at the end. Um, those of us who... Uh, we go to Forest High School. We uh, we we lost a fallen hero this week. I don't want to go too into detail because I really don't want to start breaking out into whatever and during this podcast. But I'll definitely just make a quick thing. Um, you know, Lewis, I, I pray every day that everything is going all right. And um, you know, I I miss you, man. And hopefully, in about seventy five years, I'll see you again. And so, thank you, philosophers. Uh, I hope you guys have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. You too. Hey, good luck on the SATs, man. Thank you. Yes, I have my SATs tomorrow. Let's hope I get in 2,400. Hopefully. All right. right. See See ya. All right. See ya. Out of the bones of a dying world. Where is that at?